Hi, welcome. Hey, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming here today. I appreciate you letting me. Yes, and um, you you told me you drove about an hour? Yes, I actually, it's about an hour and 15 minutes away. I live in Spring Hill, okay, which is right on the borderline of Arkansas. Yeah, mm -hmm. nice. Um, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and let okay. us know what you want to talk about today. Sure, okay. Um, my name is Gina, and um, I'm 40 years old, and I am a recovering heroin addict. Um, I celebrate eight years this past June. I'm coming up on my ninth year, and I am from Staten Island, New York. My addiction started in New Jersey, and it brought me to Florida, and ultimately I landed here. Okay, so before your addiction started, um, I want to get into, like, your life before that. Can you tell us a little more about it? Yes, definitely. <clears throat> um, I grew up in a divorced household. My parents were divorced by the time I believe I was three. Um, it just, they just did not work. But I was blessed with two sets of step-parents. My father remarried, my mother remarried, and... Never at no point in time did I ever feel like I wasn't theirs. I was blessed with a really good stepmom and a really good stepdad. They literally did anything needed for me. Um, I never not felt love. Yeah. Big point. Um, when I was in the sixth grade, my mom relocated from Staten Island, New York to West Palm Beach, Florida. And I was young, didn't really want to make that kind of a move. So at that time, I decided I wanted to live with my dad and with my stepmom. And our family grew. My mom and my stepdad had um, three kids together. My dad and my stepmom had three kids together. Um, I had a great childhood. Yeah. I was very active in sports, very active in softball. I did cheerleading. Um, I had a typical... Jersey upbringing, yeah. definitely Jersey Shore-like, for sure. Um, and I graduated high school in 2001. And by December of 2002, I was already using pills. Wow. How did that start? Like, did you just start partying? Using it? Partying, yeah. Partying. That's, that's how you were bored. introduced to it. <clears throat> I lived in a little town called Monroe Township. It's in New Jersey. Um, back then, which was in the early two thousands, Y two K. You know, the place I was at, it there wasn't nothing really there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a suburb, and it started out with your typical high school. Let's go have a party in a field somewhere and get drunk and just get stoned, and that be it. Yeah. And then. The older I got, it turned into, oh, who's bringing pills? Or, oh, who has shrooms? Or do you want to go get high and do this? And before I knew it, I was eating pain pills. The eating pain pills <clears throat> in the beginning was fun. It was. You got a rush from it. I would have energy. It just felt great. It kind of downplays your self-feelings about yourself. I've not always been the most confident. Um, I, I have anxiety issues and definitely ADD. It wasn't there when I got high. Yeah. It's like it was calmed. So I didn't fall in love like with the, I fell in love with the way it made me feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, fast forward that into six months and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find enough pills to feed the problem I had. I, I had a job. Yeah. I was working full time. My family had no idea. My dad, my stepmom, they had no clue. I was really good at hiding it. And one of the girls I used to use with, long story short, it was, hey, somebody told me that heroin will help you not feel shitty from you not taking it for so long. Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You can curse. <laughs> um, she was like, you know, and it's in North Jersey, which is Newark, which everybody knows Newark Airport. It's just not the greatest part of New Jersey. Yeah. 
Um, but you can get anything you anything. want there. Wow. And I was 19 years old, driving with her to the middle of the hood to go roll our window down and be like, hey, do you have any H? I was 19. Wow. By the end of the next year, I was a full-blown heroin addict. Wow. Snorting easily two to three grams a day. I lost about 60 pounds. Yeah. Lied to my dad, told him I had an eating disorder. That's why I lost so much weight. Yeah. Going through the next couple of months, it's like, wow, like, okay. I think it was the first time when I was, like, 20 that I realized, like, damn, I'm, I'm hooked on this. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I couldn't tell my dad. I didn't want to break his heart, you know. And I didn't know what to do. I reached out to my mom mm-hmm. in Florida and I played the whole, I really miss you. I haven't seen, I haven't been with you or my sisters, you know. Maybe I should move there. Yeah. And it turned into my mom saying, I would love for you to be here. You know, like my mom was ecstatic. Yeah. It was like I finally wanted to come home to her. <clears throat> my stepdad flew to Jersey. We packed whatever I wanted, clothes-wise, everything-wise, my mom had me a whole room set up when I got there. Brand new furniture, everything. She was so happy that I was going there, but had no idea the whole time that really and truly, I, I was scared that I, I had to get off the drug. Yeah, yeah. And I think back then I was so young-minded in my addiction. It was, oh, I got to run. I can't get clean here. I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, willpower. It was not there. I was still young. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to Newark and I bought what on the streets is called a bundle. It's 10 bags of heroin. Okay. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I have to make these 10 bags of heroin last me because we drove from New Jersey to South Florida. So I got to, we got there. The trip was good. It's not like I was dope sick yet or anything like that. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. What is dope sick? Dope sick is when you are physically going through a withdrawal. Okay. Meaning, have you ever had the flu? Yes. Okay. Have you ever had the flu and have you ever had a stomach virus? Yes. Okay. Have you ever had them together? No. Think so- of that and think of you, you literally cramping from your monthly cycle all at one time. Wow. Add in some sweats to it. Yeah. Add in some, you can't hold anything down. You can't eat. You can't drink. You can't sleep. Wow. It is literally the number one reason why people can't get off of heroin. The withdrawal. Yeah. The withdrawal can kill you. Oh my goodness. Alcohol withdrawal can kill you. Uh, Xanax bars um, can kill you. Yeah. Heroin withdrawal can literally start to make your body shut down. Oh, my gosh. It rearranges you. It, you know, it, it's, it's not something that's enjoyable. So every time you stop, you would just use? Kind of. Yeah. A yeah. little bit, just to make me not sick. Yeah, yeah. Got to Florida. Um, I had two bags left by the time I got to Florida. Got to Florida. Got to see my mom, my sisters. Everything was amazing the first day. The first day the detox was like, it wasn't fully there because 24 to 48 hours after the last time you use, that's when it's in your system. And this was, mind you, in the beginning of my addiction where I was snorting heroin. That's how I used it. Yeah. Um, Day three of being at my mom's, she knew. She knew something was up. I was puking. I couldn't hold nothing down. I didn't want to move. I was up all night. I had a friend back in Jersey, mind you, we're again talking about the early 2000s. I was writing her letters and sending them to her. And in the letter, I told her that I wish I would have told them what I'm going through because she don't know what I'm going through. And then like two days later, my mom was like, hey, let's go. I want to take you out to eat. I like the Olive Garden. So she wanted to take me there. And I am literally sick to my stomach smelling the food. And I'm sitting across from her. And 
she goes in her bag and she pulls out like five envelopes and she puts them on the table. And I'm like, she goes, I just want to let you know, I read all your mail and I know you're on it. Heroin. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. And then it turned into her being like, I'll help you. It'll be okay. Like, we'll get through this yeah. type of a deal. Um, she told my dad. My dad got involved. Everybody knew. I tried to do the whole NA and AA thing for a while there. I tried to work a program for me, myself, and I don't ever talk down on whatever anybody uses. But for me, it was not a good fit. It's not something that helped me because I constantly was having to every single day talk about my addiction in a meeting and it keeps it in your brain constantly yeah. in the front. So it's like, you don't have no choice but to always think about it. Yeah. Fast forward on relapse after relapse after relapse after going in. And by relapse, I mean getting high, yeah, messing yeah. up. After I went to beauty school, got a cosmetology license yeah. to do hair, nails, and makeup. Yeah. And how old were you? This was 2007. Okay. So... 26, 25, 26, right? I'm counting it in my head. I graduated at 18 in 2001. So two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I'm wrong, 24. 23, 24. Would get back on doing good. Would mess up again. And every time I messed up, I messed up worse than the last time. When you say that, what do mm -hmm. you mean by that? What do you mean that you messed up worse than the last time? Okay, so in the beginning, I had a job. I was able to support myself. Yeah. I was working. Um, I had just gotten out of beauty school. I yeah. worked at a so hair you salon. Did oh, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I was working in a hair salon and I started hanging out with some of my hairstylists that were yeah. my friends. Yeah. Coke was around. Wow. I fell into wanting to do that. So it, and then before I knew it, here I am looking for heroin again. So now I done messed up on something that I had never done before. And now I'm adding it to the problem to the, I already have. Wow. Mom did not know. My job started to suffer because of my addiction. I was hiding it again, but at the same time, it I was stealing. I started stealing from my mom. I was getting good tips, but you know how it goes. I would have to get a paycheck at the end of the week. Yes. My tip money every day from doing hair was gone. Mm -hmm. Gone. No sooner did I get off work. I was buying heroin. I can't work if I'm sick. I can't stand there for five hours and do a highlight on you if I'm dope sick. So yeah. now I'm calling out of work. But now I'm still sick. I don't have money, though. Turned into stealing. I started stealing from my mom. <clears throat> She had no idea. My mom was one of those people that would just have really nice jewelry locked up, and um, she never really checked on it. And I stole it from her. And um, about a week afterwards, um, I, I overdosed for my first time on my mom's kitchen floor. Oh my, my sisters gosh. found me. And my sisters had just gotten home from school. My mom was a crossing guard. My sister told her that I was not breathing. They called 911. They came and they Narcaned me and they also um, pumped, they charcoaled me, I'm sorry, and they pumped my stomach. Yeah. I woke up in the emergency room with a bag next to me and I looked down and it was some of my clothes and there was like a carton of cigarettes on the top of it. And when you're coming out of a overdose, like you are like, raging because yeah. you're like what is going on and I looked at the bag and I was like what the what the fuck's that for yeah, and yeah. she was like oh honey you're going to rehab went to rehab just when I got high the moment I got out wow. and I was on the streets this time how long were you in rehab for and can 30 you days 30 days mm -hmm. so in rehab what do they make you do like this what? was a rehab that literally made your detox so easy yeah they were giving you everything you needed for the withdrawals you basically were getting a dosage <clears throat> i want to say it's called euphorophine but i might be saying it wrong okay. and it is just an injection and they give you xanax to help with your detox it, it yeah. was not a real treatment center yeah. 
So okay. they still give you opioids? Yes, they would still give you opioids in the beginning and taper you down off of it. Yeah. So nowadays, a lot of <clears throat> drugs that um, that are marketed are like a Suboxone. Um, if you cannot stay off of the opiates, Suboxone is an opioid, but it replaces like the need for it. Yeah. But without getting you high, even though that could be abused too. Yeah. But um, detox consisted of three days in a different part of the rehab where you get these doses of meds because they can't have you in the population because they don't want you sharing your medication with each other. Yeah. People will tongue it. People will hold on to it, sell it sell for it. stuff. So <clears throat> after my detox, I got moved over to the other side of the rehab. And during that point, I mean... You have comfort. You have a TV and a couch and you do these little meetings and they call you for your meds and you get your meds and they give you stuff to put you to sleep. It's not a real like, oh, this is, it was one of those little nice rehabs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The rehab's not even there anymore, actually. I got out. I got high that night. And I wasn't even in the same place I lived before. Just to show you how... When you want it, you're going to get it. Yeah. When you want it, you're going to find it. I don't care where you're at. It doesn't make a difference. And I did. And then I stayed on the streets. And somehow I wound up in South Florida in Broward County. Um, homeless. I was walking the streets. I was prostituting. Um, I was stealing. I was robbing cars. At one point, I was um, stealing people's checkbooks. Wow. I have done anything and everything while on the streets in South Florida for drugs. I have been arrested in Broward County 35 times. Wow. I have been to jail probably about 40. A year into me being homeless, I met my now husband. Yeah. Um, Rand was born in South Florida, <clears throat> same deal as me, got on the wrong path, got on drugs. We met while we were both fully addicted to heroin on the streets, and when I met him, I started to shoot it. And that continued from 2010 until 2015. I'm sorry, you mentioned Ren? Ran. His Ren. name is Random. Oh, okay, that, okay. I that's know. His, it's okay. a weird one. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's your husband. He's my husband. We're not okay. technically, uh, you know, written off on it, but um, we've been together for a yeah, long time. Yeah. He, on the streets, when you're living that way, you ever, like, go somewhere and you see people, like, living under a bridge? Yeah. Think that for me, because that's what it was. Oh. Um, sometimes I didn't have shoes. I didn't bathe for days. Um, illnesses, illnesses that come with it. I have had sepsis. I have been hospitalized three times. I had kidney failure within those years. I had liver failure. I had to get a portion of my liver removed. Oh my gosh. I had to go for physical therapy to learn how to walk again because I was in a hospital for three months. But every day I got a pain pill. Yeah. So even during all of this time, I'm still being given an opiate, Drugs, which is yeah. the drug that I have a problem from. When I got out of the hospital, I had to get released from my hospital. This was in 2013 um, with a walker. I couldn't walk. And I got dropped off to where Random was living. And when I got there, <clears throat> like I said prior to that, me and him were every much of like running buddies we looked out for each other. Yeah. Um, if somebody was hungry, we would try to get food. If we needed to try to find a place to sleep for the night, we'd been up for seven days straight. You know, just losing our minds, he would find somewhere. He was my best friend, but when I got out of the hospital, the way that he did the things that he did for me when we just didn't have nothing, like, I, I did. I fell in love with them. Yeah. And... We were both out of our minds still, still getting high during all of this time. But he's the one person that all those years out there, <clears throat> every hardship that happened, 
every, and I'm not going to get into details, everything that comes with the drug abuse comes with it. Rape, being robbed, I've been stabbed, I've been shot at, I have scars all over me, I've had my teeth knocked down my throat, I've had my nose broken. Through it all, he always had my back. The times I overdosed, he's the one that gave me CPR and vice versa. When I think about somebody who's like really like your, you know, people say ride or die, and that's literally what it was. After I healed from my procedures and everything, we were back on the streets again. We were doing a little bit good for a while there, kind of staying in hotels, and we would be able to get a room for a day or two, and that was it. We would be right back out on the streets again. It didn't matter. I had a couple of warrants out for my arrest, and I got arrested. He had warrants out for his arrest. He got arrested. The system in Florida is just so weird when it comes to jail. And that's another, that's probably another story. Yeah. But um, we'd usually be out within a few days. You know what I mean? It's like I would get caught with a needle or I would get caught with like an empty bag or um, we would have a warrant from not going to court or a jaywalking ticket. Pick you up and they put you in for five days and then you're back out. Um, Which we were. Um, out of the two of us personality wises, we are polar opposites. Um, he is the laid back, chill, it's going to be okay type. And I am the dramatic crybaby over the top type. Even now I still am, (laughs) but, um, I was a risk taker. And when I was super high, there was no controlling me. I stole a car. I stole a car from a parking lot that the person literally had their car running and ran inside and I jumped in it because I wanted to get somewhere to go get high. And I did. And I kept the car for two days. And then I dropped it off at, when I say lick, I mean somebody that I can go to your house and I'm going to be able to walk away with money. Yeah. Okay. It's house. Wow. Well, one day me and Ran are with um, our friend and we were literally shooting up in the parking lot of his school. It was the summertime, school was out, we're in Florida, and it was June 14th, 2015, and all of a sudden, Random turned around and he looked at me and he was like, oh my fucking God, he's like, the cops are here. And I was like, what? And I turned around and we had all these drugs we had. So much paraphernalia. And I was like, oh my God. And then I looked over at him and I was like, I have a fucking warrant. And random was able to hide what we had and whatever was in my bag was left. And I was going to jail, obviously, regardless. Yeah. Um, They searched him. They searched me. They found the bags that I had in my, you know, purse. And he was letting the cop and the cops know us well. We're all on first name basis with them at this point. And he was like, Gina, you got a warrant. He was like, um, the sheriff's department picked up or put out a warrant on you. And I was like, for what? And he was like, for the car. And I'm like, and that's when I realized, and I'm like, what car? And he was like, don't play with me. He's like, you got a warrant. He was like, for not going to court. He was like, and Palm Beach, uh, not Palm Beach, Broward County put out a warrant for you because there was a rental car stolen and they fingerprinted it and your fingerprints are on it. Wow. So that was it. Like I was caught, got arrested, looked at random. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen this time. Cause normally it's not nothing serious. This was some serious shit. That's a yeah. grand theft auto charge. So he asked the cop if he can give me a hug. Cause he didn't know when he would see me again. And he gave me a hug and, um, I got to jail that night, and the next day I went to go see before a magistrate, which is like the first judge in the morning, and he knew me well too. And he was like, ooh, Miss Peluccio. He was like, again. He was like, it's so nice seeing you again. And he was like, um, and then he's reading off my charges, and he was just like, you know, normally he was like, I'll uh, sweep things under the rug. He goes, but this time he was like, I'm going to go ahead and do your family a favor, and I'm going to lock you up this time. And then I got sent, sentenced off to my next judge, and they hit me with a 365, which is a year. 
365. I had never been in jail for that long. I had never been in jail for that long. And at that point, I had been getting high for such a long time. I didn't know who Gina was anymore. And I can't even begin to tell you how much being in jail really humbled me down. And when I say humbled me down, I mean that the first month I was there was a disaster. I was detoxing. I was, it's so different being in a jail cell where you have nothing while you're going through all these things you're going through. And I mean the throwing up, the, the shitting yourself, the not being able to eat. And meanwhile, you got five girls around you. Yeah. And some of them are going through their own shit. Some of them are losing their kids. Some of them are, you know, just first time getting arrested, DUI, other drug addicts, prostitutes, everything. Going into the second month of me being in jail, <clears throat> it's like the first layer comes off, yeah. kind of. Um, I put on like 25 pounds. Yeah. God, I was so skinny. I wrote my parents going into my third month there. I got my period for the first time in years. Wow. So years. when you were in, on drugs, no, you did never not got have? it. Mm -mm. Wow. And I probably should have said it in the very beginning <clears throat> that during them times when I was living with my mom, when I said I would get on and off of them again, yeah. I had an ovary that I had to get removed. Um, and that's also when I found out I had endometriosis. Yeah. And during that time, they then said, your other ovary has a lot of scar tissue on it from constantly getting cysts. Yeah. Um, he was like, there's no, there's no hope for this one. So that had to go. And he was like, and ultimately, you're probably going to need to get a hysterectomy. He was like, because the other one is not no better. Yeah. So for that surgery, I was put on pain pills, and I was in a hospital. So that was also one of my fall-offs. But I'm going to get back to that ovary okay. in a minute. <laughs> Third month going in. <clears throat> got my period, put on weight, started going to a church group that they had in the jail. And they were like, hey, they were like, um, do you want to work? And I was like, yep. Yes, I do. Like, okay, I'll work. And mind you, this is a jail. I know Louisiana's jails are a little bit different, but Florida is like, you don't, it is, you don't got nothing in there. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> like it is very simple, very simple. And the guards are rough on you. And if you look at one the wrong way, she could be like, go back to your cell. You're not coming out today. Dang. And <clears throat> so I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something to keep myself busy because Sitting in a room, it was driving me insane. It really was. Yeah. It was starting to drive me insane. Got a letter from Random going into my fourth month. He moved to Louisiana. Wow. He decided that he had enough of what he was doing. He decided that he needed to change because Random had overdosed while I was locked up, and he thought that he was going to die. And... He told his sister that he needed to get out of Florida, and his sister literally got him on a bus and got him here, like, yeah. the next day. Random was detoxing the whole time he was on that Greyhound yeah. coming here. When he first got to Louisiana, he had to go and detox away from his where his mom lives because she had uh, her, new, her husband's stepkids were there, um, or her stepkids were there. She didn't want nothing like that around. Yeah. So um, he got off of drugs, got him a job, got him a little apartment in Spring Hill. And wow, that's amazing. He got his crap together. Going into the next month, he started to write me letters, and then he was able to put money on the phone for me. He was just telling me about how, you know, hey, what do you want to do when, you know, you get out? And, you know, I got out. My release date was February. Um I was like, I don't know, because at that point in time, I had been talking to my parents, and I was in a good place, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and when my mom, my mom came to visit me, and when my mom came to visit me, my mom, it's the first time I had seen her in years, um, the minute she sat down, I was hysterical, the minute I... I hadn't seen her in so long. She looks so different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you forget when you're out there and you're 
getting high, like time goes by really fast, but the rest of the world don't stop for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my sisters were teenagers, they were women. And um, we, she sat down and she picked up the phone and she was like, you look so much better than your mugshot. She was yeah. like, your mugshot, you looked rough. And I was like, I know. And we were just talking for a few minutes and she was asking me, what do you plan on wanting to do with your life, Gina? And I told her, I was like, I think I want to get out of here. I was like, I feel like I always run, you know, and I hop and I don't know why that's my thing I do. I'm like, but I never got to be around Ran and us not be strung out. Yeah, I kind of wanted to see what that was because I still loved him the same. I was four months, you know, clean at this point in jail. Yeah, um, turned into um, my mom when she was getting ready to leave. She was like, "I'll support you with what." choices you make I just want you to make the right choices and then time was up for the meeting and she got up and when she was getting ready to walk away she turned around and she was like hey and I was like yeah she goes you want to know what I wanted to ask you I was like what and she was like what's your favorite color now that you're older and I was like well I was like pink and she was like okay and I was like why and she was like because she was like if this does not work out she was like, and I ever get a phone call that you're dead, I want to make sure I know what color to bury you in. Mm-hmm. And it hurt me so bad when she said that. Like, I had never been affected by stuff with me hurting my parents. Yeah. But her saying that, I was just like, wow. Like, and I finished my time. Yeah, the whole you mean the, your time you, in jail? Yeah, it, it goes like a, a 366. It's like you have to like serve like 75% of your time. Okay. Like if you're at, with good behavior. Yeah. And then yeah. you'll be released within that time. Okay. My release date was February 15th, 2016. And I was in Louisiana a week and a half later. Wow. So you um, decided to move here? Yes. Yeah. Came yeah. here. Told nice. my parents. Said, look... I think there was a really big part of me that while I was locked up, the women that were in like our church group and some of them, one of the ladies had a child that was addicted to drugs and she overdosed and died. And the way that she would talk, like it resonated with me because for the longest time, like I thought in my head, because mind you, I didn't talk to my parents when I was in South Florida for years. I'm talking like four or five years, no communication. Um, That whole time I made them suffer and I never thought of it like that. It was always a, oh, if I'm not around, you know, I'm not going to be your problem anymore. But in reality, my mom was going to meetings. My mom was going to like Al-Anon meetings and she was going to see not very much a therapist, but like a drug addiction counselor for coping with having a drug addict child. My dad is super religious. My dad would do, my dad would write, light a candle for me every time he would go to church. They would have rosary, you know, Bible studies. And every single time when the ladies were done, they would say rosaries for me. My, my mom, she never gave up the hope, but she stopped letting me bring her down if it makes sense, because now it's the, why is she like this? What did I do or where did I fuck up that made her become this? And like, I mean it when I say that, it was just me. Some people have trauma. Some people have stuff that happened in their childhood. I don't have that. I don't know what what it is that initiated it, but it did. And real quick, you learn there's just not really no control over it. Yeah. There really isn't. Parents were a little bit upset with me for wanting to come to Louisiana. Yeah. They kind of wanted me to, I don't know, it would have been the longest I had been, you know, not on anything. So while there, like I said, I really learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about 
life. Like you, life goes and it's passing and you're not realizing it because you're stuck in a high. Yeah. And that's all it was. But got here. Um, things were a little weird in the beginning. It's the first time I had ever been around him we're both sober. Sober. So yeah. it was kind of like, this is okay. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of adjusting for sure. Um, but even on those moments in which I was like, let me get the fuck out of here. I was like, I need to go back home. We're learning about each other. He's learning that I'm like a OCD anxious ball of a crybaby mess. And I'm learning that he is just like cool as a cucumber. Yeah. He really is cool, yeah. like cool as a cucumber. He's one of those like he can hit a curb and be like, oops. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like on the side of the road with like a magnifying glass yeah. going to look. We're total opposites. But we worked through a lot of our, you know, challenges that came up. And man, we didn't, we, we literally started off in this little ass apartment. Um, no cars, no nothing. I didn't even have a phone when I got here. When I got here. When I got here, all I had was my jail clothes because I was so fat by the time I got out of jail, I couldn't fit in the clothes I got arrested in. So I'm literally in my jail clothes. I got here in 2016. And from 2016 until 2023, this is like the happy part for me. Um, I found out I was pregnant with my son on his birthday, the son that I wasn't supposed to have because oh, that ovary did not work. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to come out. I was 32 years old, okay? Um, I have suffered and battled an addiction for 12 to 15 years if you look on the, the, the broadband of it. Um, 12 years, not 15, 12. No, 15. 15. Um, I work at Subway in Spring Hill. <clears throat> um, part of like, I'm like one of the supervisors, not supervisors, one of the key holders there. Um, and I had made somebody's food and it smelled like, uh, when, I, when I toasted it, I was like, oh my God. Like, and it's a sandwich I normally like. So I'm yeah. like, what the hell? And... It made me throw up. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting sick. Something's wrong with me. Yeah. Turn around the next day, and I was like, why is everything smell so friggin' funny to me? Went and got a pregnancy test. Boom, positive. Took two more. Positive, positive. So it was a for sure thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And told I told Ran, and um, he was like, what? And I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an appointment at the WIC office. I'm going to see if it's real, blah, 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 blah. When I went there and they told me, yes, you were pregnant, and then I went to my first, the first time I seen Eric on the screen, nothing from prior in my life mattered as much as that. Because oh. I wasn't going to be a mom. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to. Like, I had <clears throat> written it off that I would never be a mom. I had Eric in August of 2017, um, and he... He is the number one. He makes me strive to be a better person for me. But at the same time with him, we're kind of growing together as I'm getting farther down with where I was a few months uh, or a few years back mentally, if that makes sense. Um, I was thinking, okay, this is what our life is going to be. And then just within a blink, it was completely changed. Oh, yeah. um, I love being a mom. Do I ever think that I would want to use heroin again? No, I don't. Have I come into situations or opportunities in which I could put a needle in my arm? Yes. Have I? No. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. Um, I have, you know my own coping mechanisms that I use, um, you know, dealing with my anxiety and my depression. I've reached the point in which I want to address that. So I've been working on that, like with my doctor and whatnot. Um, 
I'm learning I got to care for myself and I want to be around for a long time because not, I mean, it's sad to say, but I shouldn't be here today. I really shouldn't. Um, I think that a lot of people look at addiction and there is such a stigmatism about it with the, oh, you know, is it, is it, is it something that is, is disease? Is it a disease? Is addiction a disease? Is addiction something that is, can come from your family traits? Um, traumas. Um, I don't entertain any of that talk when people want to get into battling about it because really and truly, you really don't know what it means until you're there. Yeah. Every single person in a life has some type of a thing that they have an addiction towards. But the difference is, is that normal people make it healthy things. Sticking a needle in your arm is not one of them. Yeah. And as I've gotten farther along, I've learned that there are things about myself that maybe back then had I had known what resources were there um, during those times, I think it probably would have helped me a lot sooner. Um, heroin is still really viable out there. Um, so what I did was prior to me coming, um, I always like to, I guess you could say research certain things. Yeah. Um, and you take for granted, you know, what the pandemic of heroin is, especially since fentanyl has come around. So, but in 2010 alone, 21,089 people died from a heroin overdose. In 2017, it was at 47,600. 2020, the year COVID hit, that was a rough year for addicts. Yeah. Overdoses were at 68,000. In 2021, 80,411. In 2022, there was 122 opiate deaths. 122,000 opiate deaths. Wow. Last year in 2022, 73,654 people died of a fentanyl overdose. It tripled from 2020. 2021, 1,000 people in Louisiana died from a fentanyl overdose, wow. which seems to be what is a prominent thing here. Yeah. From 2016 to 2023, so the time that I was a, got out till now, people within the circle that I had, friends, family members, people I used to get high with, people I knew, 40 of them have passed away. And that's just in Florida. And then between fentanyl and between heroin, between 2021 and 2022, it's been 300,000 that's already been accounted for. Oh, my goodness. And you take for granted how many – it's a lot of people that suffer. Yeah. And I think that there's someone somewhere – that is dealing with a sister or a best friend or a cousin or somebody who is probably addicted to some type of an opiate. opiate yeah. And you're getting to the point in which you're like, I don't know what else I could do for this person. I'm giving up hope. But honestly, I feel like if you can just push through that little bit and make it onto the other side. And you do what works for you. Yeah. You work whatever program you want to. Don't have to work a program. You can take the prescription pill route when it comes to Suboxone. You can go ahead and you can do that if that's what works for you. But I promise you that there is no successful heroin addict that shoots every day that's alive still. And it won't. I think that over the past two years, I have really, um, I put a lot of my, I don't even think about it too much anymore, the fact that I used to get high. I'm an open book about it. Everybody in my town knows. Yeah. 
I am an open book. I want you to know. I want you to know. I'm not ashamed of anything I've done. I really am not. Um, the only person that I have to, like, the only the only person in my life that I want to be anything to is my child. Yeah. Because you ever, you know, I know you're married. So you ever feel like you just have that bond to the fact in which it's like you're my friend. Like, yeah. I'm going to... I love the fact that I have that. Yes. Okay. I love the fact that he knows me better than I know him. But yet my son is, he's just, I'm everything to him. And when that time comes, when he's older, he'll know. I don't plan on hiding nothing from him. Yeah. I want to, I want him to know what his mom and dad went through. I want him to know that I, I, I want it to be there. I think that a lot of people probably dust things under the rug when it comes to not wanting people to know about who they are or what they've been through. But I have learned as I've gotten older, I really could give a shit less. I really, really couldn't. Because <laughs> it's, it's a whole part of you. Yes. It's a whole part of your life. And yeah. It's crazy because... <clears throat> you look back on all of the time that was lost. I lost family members during that time, that old age. My my papa passed away. Um, you know, my grandpa on my mom's side passed away. People I never got a chance to say goodbye to because I was getting high. And I like that I get to show up today for my son. Um, when he was younger, he had a bad speech delay. And... Um, he was in he he still actually is in speech therapy but um sometimes i look at him and he is so he's so smart yeah. like super smart he has the biggest heart he i'm his bro that i can't <laughs> but he i i i could not ever imagine me not having him yeah. like him not being there and honestly, I feel like out of all of the shit that I've ever been through and all of my arrests and all of the this and all of the, the thousands of shitty memories that I try so hard to stick in the back of my mind, I really do think that the reason why I had Eric is because I think that it was like my reward for getting my shit together. Because I never thought I would get yeah. a son. And I'm not a super religious person. I don't go down that route. But what are the odds? Yeah. What are the odds that during all of those other times, even when I, like, you know, never. But I got my shit together. And he, he, I firmly believe that he's my reward for getting my life back. Yeah. I really do. And I, I couldn't tell you how much I love being a mom. Heroin is something that I think defined me for a really long time. And it's something that I couldn't live without. And I never really imagined that I would get off of it. And I'm not saying that my days are perfect and that there's not moments in which, you know, something, I'll think of something from back in the day. Or I'll think of a friend that passed away. Or I'll think of shit that I did to my dad or my mom. And it's like, oh, my God. But that's when I sit there and I'm like, that's not who I am today. Yeah. That's who you were when basically you were living for that. And I want just somebody to be able to know, hey, I'm in the same spot that you were in. Or I'm going through this. Or... A mom who's trying to not watch their child fall off track to know that a lot of people can get over it. You really can. And if, you know, you push through enough, yeah. the big thing is just not to give up that hope. What's that? So... We're going to say that this is a gram of heroin. Okay. Okay. It's just a quarter. And I'm going to put something on top of the quarter. 
which is a chia seed yeah. or a sesame seed. That's how much fentanyl can kill you in a comparison. Wow. That little speck can kill you. And that's what's being used nowadays to cut most of the heroin that is coming in. That's also what people are pressing pain pills on the streets that make them with. Just that little dose, and it can kill you. Instantly. Instantly. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. It's small, but it's deadly. Yeah. You know? Jeez. Mm -hmm. Every time I do this, it's like, it's always just, you know, different people with different mm -hmm. story. And every time, it's just, I don't know, it just, it opens my mind and my perspective in life every single episode. Yeah. And with your story, it's just very traumatic and also inspiring, you know, because Although you've been through all of that, you've decided to want to have a better life, to be clean. And now that you have your son, I feel like it's it's even, you know, your life is gonna, even going to be more better. Thoughts. I will say one thing, though. <clears throat> now, I don't, <clears throat> like I had said earlier, I don't, you know, if... It's the end of the night, and I want to have some, like, wine, I will. Yeah. My husband yeah. wants to have a beer. He's going to. Yeah. Um, if if I wanted to smoke weed, I'm going to. Yeah. If he wanted to, he's going to. Yeah. We don't play the, oh, I'm clean and sober, yeah. because I'm not. Yeah. Technically. Okay, they I want you to abstain from anything. Yeah. But with that being said, um, I just want people to know that, there's life after heroin. There's life. I, I can't talk too much on fentanyl because I myself got off of heroin before that became really big. Yeah. Um, the only reason why I know so much about it is because I've had, uh, I lost my cousin to an overdose to it. Um, and I never realized just how deadly it was until that. Um, but I just want people to know also that, like, if you have a family member that you fear is um, abusing opiates, you can buy Narcan. You can walk into a Walgreens. It is over the counter. You can get two doses of it. And it is literally like an Afrin spray mm -hmm. that you put up the nose and it could restart the heart. Oh. And that's if you're in the middle of an overdose. Yeah. Um, over the counter. And it's kind of crazy to think about that because back then for myself, that was not an option. So um, I don't know if it's a yay for them having that or if it's a has the crisis gotten so bad so that bad. it's readily available now, you yeah. know. But um, hope, keep it. Yeah. I don't know what else to end it with, but... There's a lot of hope afterwards yeah. if you can get it. Thank you so much yes, for thank coming you. here and sharing your story. I appreciate it.